This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Live coast to coast on the BetQL Network. It is BetQL Daily. Jim Rodriguez, J-Rod alongside myself, Chris Mack. Joe and Aaron back on Monday. In this hour, we go NFL offseason edition of GTFO or Oh Yeah. Also an NL East preview in 20 minutes as well. Don't forget you miss anything. You can rewind inside your Odyssey app or download us as a podcast. Just subscribe to BetQL Daily wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL and on YouTube at Odyssey Sports. An hour from now, John Martin from Memphis, columnist for the Daily Memphian, co-host of Jason and John on 92.9 ESPN down there and also the co-host of BetQLU right here on the BetQL Network will join us to talk college hoops and the the mess in Memphis. But... There were several teams who had a mess on their hands at some point this week, J-Rod. So we thought we'd talk about possible bounce-back opportunities in college basketball this weekend. And then as you start to look at the schedule and the teams that caused those messes, you realize some (laughs) of them could have some building block opportunities this weekend. Whether we're talking uh, Baylor-Houston tomorrow afternoon. Whether we're talking Iowa State, Kentucky, Bama is a big one for teams maybe headed in different directions. Illinois trying to bounce back. We'll see how many of these we can roll through in this segment, but college basketball bounce backs and building blocks. Let's start with the biggest surprise of the week, Tuesday night in Omaha. UConn doesn't just lose to the 15th-ranked Blue Jays. They get rolled by Creighton. And now they've got a bounce-back opportunity. We'll get to Creighton's building block opportunity in New York in a couple of minutes. But UConn at home against Villanova tomorrow night. It's an 8 o'clock tip. It's on Fox nationally. UConn, the the Ken Palm look-ahead here is about a 10-point spread. At home against Villanova, a Villanova team that just – they don't look like the Wildcats this year. Um, I like UConn to bounce back in a big – big way I don't know what you think to the tune of a 10 point spread I I might even go that far yeah I mean I think when it's one of those situations where you know Bobby Hurley I liked everything that I heard from Bobby Hurley I did a bad job the coaches did a bad job didn't necessarily blame it on the players and and when you're this good for this long How do you keep them motivated? Well, a loss will definitely wake you up. And we know Bobby Hurley is, is can get unhinged to say the, to say the least at times. So I'm sure this week has been a 
come to Jesus moment for UConn. Not that they're in trouble, not that they, you know, it hasn't affected their futures to win the national championship or anything like that. They're still head and shoulders above everybody. Although I think Houston's creeping up a little bit, but if I'm Villanova, I'm, I'm almost like, it's almost like that guy who hits the third home run of the game. And now all of a sudden you're the batter after. And if you're Villanova, you have to go to, to the nutmeg state. You got to play these guys. Yeah, I think ten points is going to be uh, is, is generous by Ken Palm. I think I think I would take uh, UConn laying fifteen, sixteen. I think UConn's going to put a whooping on the Wildcats. Yeah, I think Nova's going to take it on the chin. I do fully expect uh, the Huskies to bounce back in a big way tomorrow night at home against Villanova. Now, the other side of what we saw Tuesday is a possible building block for Creighton. Um, Creighton's going to the tournament. That's not the question. Maybe a question of where they're seated. Um, they're going to New York against the St. John's team that is reeling, that just had their coach absolutely shred them in a post-game press conference. Um, Sunday, noon Eastern tip. Don't know how much that has to do with it for Creighton, but a chance for your Blue Jays here, J-Rod, to continue to build the resume in a Big East conference that is very top-heavy. Yeah, it, th- this smells and feels like a trap game, right? I mean, it's not like the pros where you think, oh, my God, they're in New York. What are they going to do? Well, you know, you get them. You know, listen, they're going to get to New York Saturday afternoon. They're going to be in the hotel, do a walkthrough early sun- Sunday, and then back to the 402 for dinner. I will say this. Their first meeting this year, Creighton barely beat St. John's. They beat them by a point, 66 to 65. Needed some late free throws to to do it. So obviously Patino and St. John's has something. And the way that Patino dressed down that team, you know, is it, is it, this is where we'll see what kind of fortitude, how how, how mentally tough uh, they are in terms of, does that sort of hurt them? Does that reverse psychology? You know, are they going to be able to rise from that criticism? I think I'll tell you what, if, if I'm Creighton, I'm scared to death of this game. I can't wait to see what the line is. You know, I can't bet against my team, but I'll tell you what, St. John's at least covering, they covered against Creighton, you know, in Omaha, in New York, coming off a big win against UConn. I could see Creighton being a little bit involved in a trap game here. Yeah, my, I, I would take the, the top 16 that were released by the NCAA um and just a little less than a week ago now and granted that's before the UConn game but I would still I would print that out and I post that in the locker room right if I'm Creighton and I say look oh look at all the look at the top four seeds in each region guys look we're gonna be in uh oh wait we're not on here yeah yeah we beat UConn that's great that's great we just showed everybody what we're capable of now let's remind them and let's do it against this team that may be demoralized after the way their coach dressed them down, even if he did apologize for it later. I think it's a huge building block opportunity for Creighton to really solidify a presence in on one of those top four lines with just a couple of weeks to go until the Big East tournament. All right, Big 12. We know this this conference is just <clears throat> it's a steel cage match. It's a Royal Rumble, whatever wrestling analogy it. you want to find. Every single year for the last, what, half decade. This has been what the Big 12 has been. It's continued this week. Baylor, they go to Utah. They lose to BYU on Tuesday night. Now, granted, it's a, it's a ranked BYU team. It's not a terrible loss. It's on the road in the Big 12. But they now take on 
the aforementioned Houston Cougars, who you mentioned earlier, J-Rod, who had a big win against Iowa State on Monday and are still, you still hear them being doubted, right? Even with some of the people we've talked about over the last week or two, it's, well, they've got to win with defense. If they get in a shootout, they can't win. If they've got to score more than 80, 82, they're not going to win. That's the trip up for the Cougars. Well, noon Eastern tip on CBS tomorrow, a building block opportunity for Houston and a bounce back opportunity for Baylor, just classic Big 12 basketball here. Yeah, I think for Baylor, you know, the 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 good part about this, the game's at least in Waco, right? So it's at least they get a home game. But but I think for Houston, I think what you said about Creighton, I think applies to Houston because Houston can use that little chip on their shoulder. Hey, nobody thinks we, we belong here, even though even though we know they do, right? Hey, you know what? Everybody keeps doubting us. Everybody thinks Purdue's better than us. We're number two team in the country, and people are kind of surprised. It's our first time in the Big 12. We're the new kids. I think they go out there, and that could be a tremendous statement game for them. There's still plenty of motivation. Yeah, they they are a number one seed. Yeah, they're going to the tournament. There's no doubt about that. But the Big 12 is still in play. And to go out there and beat a Baylor team that's 11th in the nation, by the way. This isn't a Baylor. This isn't an unranked St. John's team. This is a 11th in the country Baylor who is vulnerable now after losing to a top 25 team in BYU. I think Houston, there's blood in the water. And if Houston really is a shark, you take advantage of this. Yeah, Kempon projection on this one, just a three-point spread. Houston by three. Uh, they project a 70-67 game. If Houston's only laying three at Baylor, I mean, that's one to keep an eye on uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow morning as soon as it gets posted when you get up with your coffee and get started on your weekend officially. All right, another bounce-back opportunity before we get to a game that has both. Number six, Iowa State. They lose to Houston earlier this week. On the road, though, in the Big 12, like we've said, I don't know if it's necessarily a bounce back for the Cyclones against West Virginia on Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern tip. Um, they're a 19-point favorite, according to Ken Palm. It's a down year for WVU in the post-Huggins era. Um, Iowa State's undefeated at home, though. And they've only got one quad two or worse loss. That's one of those differentiators. When you look at the net rankings right now, how many losses do you have quad two and below? If mm-hmm. you have one or you're undefeated, then you're definitely a, a, a top, lock top 10 team, probably looking more like a top five team, definitely a one or two line come tournament time. Iowa State can't afford another loss like that. I don't. I think they take care of business against West Virginia, but they're one of those teams that if you're looking to secure a spot, like I said, on the two line, this is your. this is one where you kind of step on the gas early, pull away late, get some guys some playing time late in the second half. This should be a good bounce back, if you want to call it that. Maybe even a building block opportunity as well for Iowa State. Yeah, I mean, listen, Iowa State lost on the road to the number two team in the country. Now, while that's acceptable, you know, while even the the folks that are holding 30 to 1 Cyclone tickets to win the national championship, this is a game you got to win. Because if you lose this game, now all of a sudden, things can get spiraled out of control for you. So the coaching staff, the players, 
they it's you know you hate to say must win games you know because we know iowa state's going we know they're dancing but all of a sudden their two line is in a precarious situation if they lose this game especially against a west virginia team that is isn't very good the game's in ames and we know there's no party like an ames party i think iowa state has to send a message 19 points it's a big number but iowa state's got to win this game yeah, uh, and you and you make a good point too about those. If you're holding those uh, national championship tickets on Iowa State, this is one you want to see them coast. You don't want to see any. You, you don't want any kind of hiccups that give you worry about what could happen when they get to the tournament. Even if West Virginia is not a tournament team this year. All right, another bounce back verse building block opportunity. This one in the SEC after Kentucky lost in Baton Rouge on Wednesday night, while Alabama was just barely getting by against the Gators, 24th-ranked Florida Gators. They now meet tomorrow afternoon for Eastern Tip on CBS. Ken Palm Line has Alabama favored by two. Huh. I I don't trust the Wildcats. I just I can't trust Kentucky, J-Rod. And right. Bama, we know, is especially against this Kentucky defense. Like, what's the team total on Bama tomorrow posted at? Like, one, 99 and a half? 100 and a half, 101. I mean, I don't know if I could possibly take an under. They're going to light up the scoreboard, I think, against Kentucky. Yeah, this is just feels very fishy. I mean, obviously, Kentucky, we don't we don't know what to make of this team, right? They go out and they stun Auburn on the road, held them to like the defense clamped down. It was unbelievable. They had me think, well, you know, five plus four. Plus 525, Kentucky Final Four. Maybe Kyle Perry's got these guys figured out. And then they lose at LSU. Granted, they lost on the at the buzzer. I get it. I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like like I don't have much faith in Kentucky and, 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 and Alabama. I almost think Alabama by two. I would I, – I don't know. I think Alabama wins this game going away. I think Alabama's offense is, is, is high octane. If they can get any kind of stops, and it feels like Kentucky stops themselves more than, more than the teams stopping them. So I would look toward Alabama. I mean, Kentucky is 17th in the country, and then you're just kind of wondering why. Is it because of the name? Is it because of – I mean, they did beat, the, they did beat Auburn. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm off the train on Kentucky, and I think Alabama, yeah. if, if they want any sort of, of respect, needs to win this game. Kentucky is one of those teams, four losses at home already this year, like Clemson, like Texas, um, that you look at and go, man, if if you can't win at home, then what hope do you have once you get to the tournament? Um, and this is another spot where a fifth loss at home would be brutal for them, by the way. Right. Um, even if it is against a really good Alabama team, but I suspect it's going to happen. And again, if the spread is only two, I got to think it ends up, stretching out a little bit bigger than that. I'm going to be all over Alabama tomorrow as well when those lines drop. One more real quick, just for Jake's sake. Uh, Number 12, Illinois, trying to bounce back after the loss at Rec Hall uh, at Penn State on Wednesday night. Home against Iowa, tip just after 2 Eastern, 1 Central on the Big Ten Network. Ken Palm line has him favored by 10. And I do like the Illini for a big bounce back here, J-Rod. Like, this is one where... where I I think they just turn on the gas and don't look back. I've seen this movie. This is Purdue losing to Ohio State and then going out and blowing out Rutgers. This is uh, Illinois losing to Penn State and going out and blowing out Iowa. I think Illinois should have no problems. 
If not, I think we have to keep uh, an eye and, and, and two hands on our boy, Jake. Have we sufficiently jinxed your boys now, Jake? Now that we both seem fairly comfortable laying as many as 10 in this one, if it opens up. That yeah, high. no, what could, uh, what could possibly go wrong? Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you what now feel as uneasy as possible. Yeah. So those are our college basketball bounce backs and building blocks for what should be a huge weekend. Again, rapidly approaching. We are like, you know how when you would run downhill as a kid, J-Rod, and if you started to run too fast, all your momentum went forward. That's how fast <laughs> we're running downhill towards conference tournament season in college basketball. We talked to John Martin, co-host of BetQLU from Memphis, about all of that this weekend and beyond. Less than one hour from now at the top of the third and final hour. Coming up next, though, we talked some of those win total moves that have taken place in Major League Baseball early on with spring training opening all across the desert and down in Florida. We focus in on one division in particular, the NL East, next right here on BetQL Daily. So close, you can smell it. Oh, that's baseball. That's baseball, baby. And uh, regardless of where you may be in the country, look, I'm up in the Northeast, Midwest, whatever you want to call Pittsburgh. I consider it Northeast. I heard the birds chirping this morning when I got up. It is that time of year where baseball has arrived. Baseball season is here, and we will dive headlong into the NL East in just a couple of minutes here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth off today. They'll be back on Monday. I'm Chris Mack alongside J-Rod, Jim Rodriguez, for one more day with you. We will do an NFL off-season edition of GTFO or Oh Yeah. Combine starts in Indy on Monday. Things are going to start to heat up. Everybody expects this Justin Fields deal to get done, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's Pittsburgh, some dark horse out of nowhere, expects it to get done within the next week during the Combine. We'll talk about other big-name players who could be on the move. And in 40 minutes, back into college hoops with John Martin of BetQLU and the Daily Memphian, as well as 92.9 ESPN in Memphis, plus our lightning bets before we wrap up. But J-Rod, let's do it. We've done uh, both AL and NL West. We kind of touched on the central divisions earlier when we talked about some of the big win total moves and the volatility of the AL and NL central, respectively. Uh, But let's dive headlong into the NL East. Top-heavy division, to say the least. Braves, Phils, Mets, Mm -hmm. Fish, and Nats. Let's start with the big dogs at the top, the Braves. Braves win total, 101 and a half. That is a big number. They are heavy favorites to win the division, minus 275. Uh, 3-1 to to win the National League pennant. Favorites there as well. 6-1 to for the World Series. There is no value on betting the Atlanta Braves right now. The value on the Atlanta Braves, if you believe in them, will happen if, I don't know, there's a slip-up, if there's a slow point in the season, an extended losing streak at some point. I don't know if anybody's expecting that. I I mentioned it last week when we talked MVP markets. I think Ronald Acuna Jr. could go back-to-back MVPs. Be the first time in a long time we've seen one of those. He's just that good. There is a question of... With all the talent on that roster, um, does he necessarily get MVP votes unless he has another wildly dominant season? I could see that. Um, But they are stacked. They are loaded. I guess my only question is, even as good as they are, did they need to do more this offseason than just add 
Kellenic and a 34-year-old Chris Sale. Now, Chris Sale is a luxury for them that he may not be for other teams. Other teams of Chris Sale may be looked at as, as the slotted in, you know, middle of the rotation and, and give you a, a good number of starts. But the last time Chris Sale started more than 20 games in a season was five years ago, 2019. So as long as they don't expect too much from Sale, I kind of like it as a luxury addition, I guess, at the back end of the rotation. But I guess this is just what happens when you've got so much talent that you really don't need to go out and add much more in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, that that's what usually happens. The, the good teams, you know, Dodgers were in it, were a, a bit of a, a an outlier only because they went out and spent in, in the free agent market. But usually teams that are good don't make a lot of moves because nobody wants to trade with them. So they have to go out and spend the money. Uh, look at the Rangers. They really haven't made any moves as well. I think Atlanta, 101 and a half. I think they clear that easily in terms of wins. Um, I, I have my doubts about that starting rotation, um, you know, but you have Max Freed motivated in a, in a contract year, um, and that offense is just so good. The only problem you, you would have if there is a slip-up is, you know, if does everybody think they're that good? Does everybody kind of slap, you know, take their foot off the accelerator? Oh, we're the Braves. We won 101 games, right? 100, 104 last year. We're easily we, we slate us in. I think getting bounced in, in early in the playoffs, I think might have woken this team up a little bit. Maybe gets them hungry. Maybe they were embarrassed to have the best record in, and and not get out of the first round, not get out of the division series. Maybe that's some motivation. But I don't see how it's it's Atlanta and the bet that I like a lot. And we'll get into more of, the, of this division, especially with the Phillies in it. Over at BetMGM, you can bet that the NL East will be the World Series winner, plus 340. That's not bad. That's not mm. bad. NL West is the favorite, obviously, because of the Dodgers. But the NL East will have the World Series winner at plus 340. I may sprinkle a little money on that. Here's my question about the Braves with the 101.5 win total and, and and why I think it's too much, to be quite honest. Their, their rotation is stacked. Spencer Strider is great. I'm not going to argue that Spencer Strider is in a great starting pitcher and an ace you want at the top of your rotation. Two things, though. One, I think Max Fried is a better value for Cy Young at about 14 to 1 mm-hmm. with a bounce back due from him in a contract year when they seemingly aren't interested in giving him that extension he'd like to have in Atlanta. But my other question is, what Spencer Strider do we get? Do we get September Strider when he had like a 567 ERA in his last six starts of the regular season? Do we get that Spencer Strider? Because we still see that in pockets. And look, I I realize not every start can be seven shutout innings and, you know, a dozen strikeouts. I don't want the guy to be otherworldly if I'm a Braves fan. I just can't have a pocket of starts like that show up consecutively as they did down the stretch in September last year. Now, granted, what what were they playing for last September? I, I get that, but I, I still think there's some vulnerability in Strider that, that means that there's no value at Cy Young. He's the clear favorite there. Um, I, I think there's some question. I could see the Braves still dominating the NL East, but, you know, not putting away the Phillies until the final week of the season. And maybe they only win 95, 98 games. That's still dominant in a, in a great Atlanta Braves team. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't know about 101, 102 wins. Yeah, I, I, I think they get it. I think, I think they'll slug their way to October. I've always said mm-hmm. you slug your way to October and then you pitch your right. way through October. Um, 
the only problem is, and it's a valid point, is what happens if there's injuries? What happens if we don't get that kind of rotation? If they, or if that offense decides to cool off? I mean, think about it. A buddy of mine made a great point. The Dodgers scored more runs in the first inning against the Padres yesterday than they did in the division series against Arizona. So oh, when the offense gets turned off, it doesn't matter how good your pitching is. So right. as long as, I don't think that offense is going to get turned off. I think there's too many bad teams during the course of the season, and everybody's going to do their thing. Uh, but again, you you hit your way to October, and you pitch your way through October. And I think that may be the demise of the Braves eventually. But I, they would be if the Dodgers slip up, I would take the Braves to win the World Series. Well, there's the Phils there, too, and we got to talk about the Phils because they've got the starting pitching as well. 89 and a half wins. Like, I still see them as a 91-92 win team. I'm tempted by the total there to take the over. Uh, the division number, if you really expect any kind of slip-up from the Braves, might be tempting. You might wait for it to move just a little bit more if you can get more value later in the year. It's 325 right now. They're 7-1 to to win the pennant, 14-1 to for the World Series. The one thing I look at with the Phils, J-Rod, is left and center, right? Martian left, most likely. Um, Rojas in center. There's still a guy out there that can play center field for you. And it sounds like nobody's really gone after him other than his former employer, the Chicago Cubs. Is it worth it to maybe backdoor the Cubs on Cody Bellinger? Bring him in, start him in center most days, and then you can play Rojas in, in, in left and perhaps get a little bit more offense, and while you're at it, better defense as well. Yeah, I think the Phillies have this un unnerving, if I'm an Atlanta fan, having an unnerving mm-hmm. confidence because, yeah, go ahead, win your 104 games. Cool. The Braves, the Phillies have the Braves number in the postseason where it, where it ultimately counts, right? So I think the, the big question is Bryce Harper. What kind of are we going to get Bryce Harper for a whole season? Looks like first base is going to be his permanent home. Mm-hmm. You know, for as great as Bryce Harper has been, he has been a bit of an injury bug, right? He's had problems. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. When he has been healthy, oh my God, we have seen it all, right? Um, mm-hmm. I like the Phillies at seven to one to win the pennant. I think there's a there's some value there. I wouldn't bet much for them to win the division because I don't think they care about winning the division. I think if they, you know, eighty nine and a half. They won 90 last year, so they hit the number in a bit of a sweat. I think the Phillies are are a team that is not built for the regular season. They're a team that's built for the postseason. And I think it's about they're they're sort of they're not they're an NBA team. Let's just get through the rigors of 162 in one piece, and hopefully we get the Braves because we know how to beat them in the in a short series. All right, then we get to the Mets. 82 and a half. You can find them at 81 and a half in spots on the win total. Uh, distant, 10 to 1 for the division, 18 to 1 for the pennant, 35 to 1 for the World Series. That all makes sense because the Mets are, after last year's spending spree, you remember like the old mall in town that starts to get a little dilapidated. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Saks and Nordstrom, the anchor tenants, the department stores, they up and leave. And then a year later, you go back to the old dilapidated mall and it's a Marshalls and a TJ Maxx. Nothing against Marshalls and TJ Maxx. Lots of great last-minute Christmas shopping done there by me this year. But it ain't Saxon. It ain't Nordstrom. And they've decided, okay, we're going by by our standards anyway in New York. We're going discount this year. Um, 
that's the Mets. Uh, they are an 81 and a half, 82 and a half win team. I think the number's spot on. Yeah, 78 and a half is the number. Last I checked, new manager bucks out. Carlos Mendoza is in, and right out of the jump, their opening day pitcher may miss a month. You know, uh, Senga has some shoulder issues. Um, yep. It's nothing surgery wise, but they're just saying rest. So they get Edwin Diaz back as their closer. So we get to hear the cool music. Remember, he hurt himself on a walk-off celebration uh, d- during the World Baseball Classic. I think that I think the fun part for the Mets this year is going to be watching Pete Alonso. I think he's in a walk year. He won his arbitration case, $20 million. Mets really don't have any interest to do anything long-term right now. I think I've always said a dangerous person is a, is a motivated athlete. Uh, I love his, his home run props to, to lead the majors in home runs. Uh, we'll get into that later. Francisco Lindor. I think the Mets are kind of a muddling team right now. I think they're trying to find themselves, yeah. see if they get hot. I think they could challenge for that second wild card. I, although I will say 78 and a half feels a little low. I'm kind of rethinking it with, uh, with Senga out for a month. But I think, they're, I think they're 80. I think they could win 83, 82 games. So I would go the over in the win total for the Mets. Speaking of um, muddling, middling, just kind of plodding along the fish. They're a mojito. The neck of the woods. The Marlins, yeah. Um, Tim Anderson, that's it. Uh, your lineup anchors are Josh Bell and Tim Anderson. And the Marlins just, like I said, sort of plodding along. You know, I, I feel for Marlins fans in a way, as a Pirates fan myself. I know what it's like to muddle along and just sort of plod along. And But they've got young starting pitching. There's some hope there as long as they don't end up dealing some of that young starting pitching that maybe they find a few extra W's along the way. Win total, 78 and a half, 20 to 1 for the division, 35, one, uh, 35 for the pennant, 66 to 1 for a World Series. I mean, I just I just don't see it. It's, it's sort of uh, a hodgepodge of nothingness. Yeah, I misspoke, by the way. The Mets' win total was 82.5. I still like the over on that. It's the Marlins that are 78.5 with the win total. Listen, Tim Anderson was the only free agent move that they've done. But I think it's a it's a typical Marlins signing, and it could work. I mean, the guy is a batting champion. The guy was a top 10 MVP candidate. You know, he lost his way literally on the field and off the field. A lot of problems. Miami could be a good bounce back, back spot. If he can hit anywhere close to what he used to have, they already have Luisa Rise, who was the two time, you know, has won the batting title two years in a row, you know, one with mm-hmm. the Twins last year with the Marlins. Uh, they got some pop. The only thing that hurts the Marlins is no Sandy Alcantara. He's gone for the year with Tommy John. So you've got Jesus Lazardo, who has been the rumor of trade talks. Uh, Yuri Perez, he is the future in, in Miami on the mound. They got Braxton Garrett. They're, they're a hodgepodge. But I tell you what, seeing a lot of Marlins games, they won 84 games. Skip Schumacher brought in a, a, a sort of a, some enthusiasm to the team. 78 and a half wins. This feels like a 78. This feels like a 75, yeah. 76 win team. I think they regress a little bit. I think they'll be fun to watch, but I tell you what, I would I would look for a big bounce back for Tim Anderson. It's a great spot for him and a nice savvy move by the Marlins. One last team in the NL East, the Nats rebuilding. We know that. Um, but they've added enough veterans kind of scattered about the clubhouse supporting the young core, J-Rod, that I look at 66 and a half wins. 
And I'm tempted at the over. Gallo in the middle of the lineup. They just brought in Jesse Winker on a non-roster invite. They've added some middling starting pitching to go with um, Trevor Williams and Patrick Corbin. You know, they, they bring in a couple guys. I, I could see them winning 68, 69, 70 games and hitting that and not necessarily impressing anyone along the way, but still hitting the number. Yeah, I, I think the number is right on. I would be a stay away from me. I feel like they would be a 66-win team. So stay away from me. Maybe a couple years, Nats will be back, but not next year, not this year. Lots of big names on the move this NFL offseason. What would be the most Jerry Jones move of them all? Just the chef's Ooh. kiss, Bajera, down in DF Dub. We lead with that. And GTFO or Oh Yeah, next on BetQL Daily. In 20 minutes, John Martin joins us from Memphis, co-host of Jason and John on 92.9 ESPN down there, also a columnist for the Daily Memphian. It's been a mess with Penny and the Tigers down there, but we'll talk lots of college hoops with John, also the co-host of BetQLU. That on the way in 20 minutes, the two-minute drill in the final hour, and our lightning bets as well. We got a lot lined up for you on what is a busy weekend. Getting you ready for it here on a Friday alongside Jim Rodriguez. I'm Chris Mack. J-Rod and I got you covered here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM Live Coast to Coast on the BetQL Network. Wherever you may be in the world, we are in your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Take us with you. And, of course, download us later as a podcast, too, wherever you get your podcasts. Or just hang out today. Um, you got nothing to do. It's a Friday. You're pretending to work. Let's be honest. You just move the mouse every once in a while, and the boss thinks you're doing stuff. Uh, so watch us on twitch.tv slash betql or on YouTube at Odyssey Sports. GTFO or oh yeah for the newbies here. I'll remind you, Mario will read a statement, maybe even a bet, and we will say, GTFO, Mario, that's ridiculous. Or we'll say, oh yeah, I like that. Maybe even get so excited as to give it a, Oh, yeah, like the Macho Man. I mean, somewhere in between would be Kool-Aid Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, But you can go anywhere along that spectrum, J-Rod, depending on how much it excites you. Mario, what have you got lined up for us today in GTFO or Oh, yeah? Why don't we start? Why don't we start in the old Metroplex down in DF-Dub? DF-Dub, all right. Uh, Let's go ahead and look at Derrick Henry to the Cowboys is the most Jerry move to make. You can bet on that, actually. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at plus 550. So I ask you, Chris Mack, Derek Henry to the Cowboys is the most Jerry Jones move to make. GTFO, I think yeah. the, 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 the most Jerry move to make, like the over-the-top Jerry move, would be like trading a first-round pick, like multiple first-round picks for Justin Jefferson or something stupid that he doesn't need to do. Um, that would be the most Jerry move. But as far as... Things that may actually come somewhere near the realm of a possibility. Oh yeah, this this would be a big Jerry move. Derrick Henry, um, the the wheels are just about all out of tread. Look, Derrick Henry is still a, in his prime. Derrick Henry is stud. Um, he would dra- drag half the defense into the end zone on his back. I just don't know if this is the ad that the Cowboys need. The Cowboys need to worry about getting the future books in order, figuring out what they're going to pay Dak, all of that. If they're going to pay Dak, um, I wouldn't worry. Would it be a nice compliment to what they have in the backfield? Yeah. Would I bet on it at 550 to actually happen? No, but oh yeah, it would be a Jerry Jones kind of move, J-Rob. GTFO. I mean, listen, we have lambasted Jarrah 
and rightfully so, this is a good move. This is what they should do. You know, they when they were, you know, they had Ezekiel Elliott, a big rumbling, you know, power back. This is what they need because you know why? It gives Dak less opportunities to screw up. It's another piece to the offense. And yeah, listen, Jerry, listen, reality, father time waits for no one. And Jarrah knows the clock is ticking. He's healthy. I hope he lives you know, 20, 30 more years, but he needs to win now. He is, he is hell bent on that. And I think, I think Derrick Henry gets them. First of all, marketing, it's a sexy move, sexy player, Mm -hmm. and it gives less opportunities for Dak to screw it up. So the finances, you'll need to be aware about the finances in in next year. I, I, GTFO, that's a good move to get Derrick Henry and I'd bet on it. I'm with you, J-Rod. I think it's a move that Jerry Jones would want to make. And it's like a sexy move, like you said. Like, it's it's sexy. Like, come on. Everyone wants Derrick Henry. Big name. Big guys to the roster. And Cowboys, they love their big names. Right, Mac? That's true. All right. Next one for GTFO. Or, oh, yeah, on a great Friday. Chargers should not be the favorite to, dra- to draft Brock Bowers at number five. Plus 230. Ask you, Chris Mac, GTFO. GTFO, oh yeah, sorry, brain fart. Chargers should not be the favorite to draft Brock Bowers at five. What do you think, my East Oh yeah, Coast I agree man. with you. Um, I, I think, look, Bowers to the Chargers, that, could they use him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd be curious to see what else is there at five. Um, there's going to be receivers there, right? I would think Adunze or Neighbors at the very least is there. And this is a team that is not getting any younger at the wide receiver position. Um, I know Quentin Johnson was added last year out of TCU, but I'll be honest, kind of underwhelmed at times. Um, The core of this receiving group, like I said, Mike Williams is always hurt. Keenan Allen is not getting any younger. Um, Would it be nice to have Brock Bowers as a weapon there? Sure, but not at five. No, if if there's a Neighbors or an Adunze there, I probably jump on that if I'm looking to strengthen my my skill position uh, repertoire on the offensive side of the ball. If I'm the Chargers, so even at plus two thirty as the favorite, I say GTFO uh, Bowers. I think goes later in the top ten. J Rod. Well, I I I think I think he should be the favorite because why? What is the NFL? It's a copycat league, right? Mm-hmm. Who's had success? Tight ends. That's all we've talked about. Tight ends, tight ends, tight ends. Who was Mark Andrews' coach uh, over in Baltimore when he was when he rose to, to fame? Greg Roman was his offensive coordinator. Who is yeah. the offensive coordinator of the Chargers? Greg Roman. I Good think call. he knows how to, how to fit tight ends. Tight ends are sexy right now. It's what everybody wants. Yes, obnoxiously high picking him at five, but it's a copycat yeah. league. And did you already see Jim Harbaugh take a shot at the, at the chiefs? We want to play them week one. Let's cut off the head of the snake week one. So Harbaugh's already talking smack. Greg Roman knows how to mold tight ends, how to make tight ends. Wouldn't surprise me if Brock Bowers goes to five again, obnoxiously high, but yeah, uh, GTFO, you know, why not? He should be the favorite. Sure. You want you almost wonder if like a, a trade back would make more sense here. But then again, you're basically saying no, we don't need the receivers. We're happy. We think we can get more out of Quentin Johnson next year, um, in his second year, and we're not worried about Mike Williams getting hurt, even though he always does. 
and Keenan Allen's got mm-hmm. a, a little gas left in the tank. We don't need a receiver right now. To your point, everybody needs a tight end. Um, maybe you move back behind the two teams that we think are going to take linemen at six and seven, the Giants and Titans. Move back to like eight and get yourself Bowers there, and it makes a little more sense. I don't know, but sure. you make a great argument for the, the, t- the tight end in a Greg Roman offense. Yeah, that was kind of my thing, too, is, like, maybe you could, like, trade back and get Bowers. Like, what if the Giants suddenly decide, hey, we want a QB there because they're, like, realize Daniel Jones mm-hmm. is just absolutely nothing. Like, what if they want to make that move? So, like, you could always go back at the interior Bowers or all because all Roman's been saying, Harbaugh's been saying, is, let's run the football in L.A., let's run the football in L.A. So I think they'll focus on that and, sadly, no receiver. And Quinn Johnston, please be absolutely something and not nothing. GTFRO, yeah, let's talk about another receiver. This guy's the top receiver in the draft. Marvin Harrison Jr. getting picked by the Bears at plus 430 is worth a shot. GTFO or oh yeah, we hear Fields saying he wants to stay in the Windy City. But Chris Mack, you look like you're in despair. What, what's up, my man? GTFO or oh yeah? I, I, look, the Bears are taking Caleb Williams. They're trading Justin Fields. There's no other way to handle this. I had my doubts coming into the offseason, but the more you look at it, the more it makes sense. Uh, you can't. You can't think that that's the fix for everything in Chicago. That it's because they're out on fields, right? Look, was it fair to him that Getsy had no idea how to handle him and that his development was stunted? No, but I think the ceiling is still high for Justin Fields if he goes somewhere and gets a fresh start. Conversely, in Chicago, they need to do it with someone else. That they chart a new path. Caleb Williams is your guy. That's where you go. I think what would you say the number is? It's like four to four thirty. Plus four thirty. Is is it worth a sprinkle? I'd have to wait to see what what the Justin Fields move is by the Bears. Like if if we get through the combine, let me put it this way, J Rod. If we get through the combine and Justin Fields is still a bear, and that number is still around like three or four to one, then I start to think about it. But I think if you're the Bears and you're looking to add a receiver, you do it at nine. Um, yeah, I'm not doing it with the first overall pick. That's where I'm getting Caleb Williams. And that's, that was my question. Does, does Marvin Harrison getting picked by the bears with their second first round pick? Does that count at plus four thirty, or is it Marvin Harrison being him, the number right? one, being the number one overall pick? Cause the bears could make a trade, maybe trade up, trade down, something like that and get, put themselves in a position to get Marvin Harrison. Listen, if, if the bears have the number one pick and keep it, they're not going to draft Marvin Harrison. I think, I think, I think he's a great addition. It seems like Arizona is going to be, it's going to land right in their lap, but if they make a trade, drop down to four, five, and remember, they still have nine. If Marvin is still on the board with all these crazy quarterbacks, and we're thinking five, six quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. And if he's still out there, he could fall in their lap. So if that bet isn't with the first overall pick, just that the Bears draft him, I would sprinkle some money on that just in case. Yeah. Do you think you wait until the combine to place this then? Like you wait a little bit longer? Or would you yeah. just try to jump on yeah. value now? I, I can't. I can't do it now because everything is still pointing to Fields. Every all the talk is Fields is getting dealt before, if not during the combine. So if we get through Indy and Fields is still a bear, yeah, that's when I start to think about. Well, maybe this, maybe Caleb isn't the move for them. I don't know. For reference, the Bears Ryan Poles waited a couple days after the combine to trade the first pick last year. Okay, fair enough, Jake. Poles. Maybe learn something. I don't know. Maybe 
I, there's what two teams bidding for Justin Fields, right? It feels like how much longer can he work them against each other? I don't know. Yeah, All right, one real quick like before we go to oh, sorry, Jay, yeah, you almost want to see what Caleb can do and, and what the other guys can do, but yeah, I, I get you. One real quick before we go, Mike Evans to the Texans, GTFO, or oh, yeah. Ooh. That's I say, oh yeah, they've got they've got the money and they've and they're, and they're building something. Kansas City makes more sense, but Houston's got a chance to win and they've got the money, which is what Mike Evans wants. Yeah, they've got the room under the cap and they've got the quarterback who could use another weapon. Nothing against Tank Dell and Nico Collins, but they need a better veteran complement than Robert Woods. They need a guy like Mike Evans who can come in, they can learn from. He makes them better. Iron sharpens iron. Any other Mike Tomlinism you want to use here. But that would be a hell of a three-headed monster in the receiving core. Collins, Dell, and Evans. That's what takes you from wild card team or AFC South Division winner if you're the Texans to legitimate AFC championship contender. Coming up next, back into college hoops. A big weekend ahead. Catch up with John Martin from Memphis and the co-host of BetQLU. He's next right here on BetQL Daily.